Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I think as I start every new year, um, oh, probably for the last eight years or so, it's been much more about asking God for a word. And we've been doing that the last couple of years here at Mountain Park at the end of every year. We ask God for a word for our lives for the coming year. Now, for those of you who were here and had that word that God gave you, I bet that that word has much more to do with his character being formed in you than it does about any accomplishments or goals or things that you would do for this year. I bet if you think about that word for a moment, you can get a picture in your mind of the kind of person who would embody and fulfill that word over your life. My word was faithful. And for me, that doesn't mean that I'm checking things off of a list of where I think I'm being faithful, but it's having a vision in my mind of what my life would look like if I was faithful to God. It's the difference between saying I'm going to go to the gym three times a week, and when you miss a time, it kind of all falls apart because you didn't fulfill what you thought you would accomplish. It's more about seeing yourself as a healthy person and being able to make small decisions every day to move towards that, whether you make it to the gym today or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you can see yourself as a generous person, maybe the goal isn't I'm gonna give 50 bucks in the offering every week. Maybe the goal for you is to be a generous person. And so maybe there's a, there's a picture of that that God wants to give you that's something much greater than just being able to diligently do a task, but it's actually the character and nature of God that's being formed in you. And if we're honest, I think that God is much more concerned about the development of our character than he is about us accomplishing any goals or tasks. And when we become the people that he has called us to be with his character and his nature formed in us, then we can accomplish anything he calls us to do. But a lot of times we have this backwards. That's our whole world view and everything that we see around us. If you want to be successful, you set goals for yourself and you're getting stuff done and, you know, messy bun, get her done. Let's go. Let's do this. And then I'm going to become the person that I'm meant to be. But in the kingdom of God, as with most things, it's the complete reverse of that. We slowly become the person that God intends us to be, taking on the character and nature of God in our lives, looking more like him every day. And then as we're becoming that person, we can begin to accomplish the things that he has laid out for our lives. It's much more about allowing what he wants to be accomplished in and through us than what we would ever desire or come up with. Does that make sense? David was a man who was anointed and called to be king from a very, very young age. And we know more about David's life, his personal life and his story, than we do about a lot of other Bible characters, probably just aside from Jesus himself. 
And there's so much written about David's story and his life. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was called and anointed to be king as a young man. But it was years of working some things out in his life before he ever sat on the throne and ruled as king of Israel. And there was a lot of things that God was doing in him and working out in him through the things that he walked through as a man of war on the day that he stood up against Goliath, when he was running from Saul in the wilderness. All of the things that were happening in his life were building and shaping him into the man that he was called to be before he could sit on the throne and do the things that God had called him to do. And we're going to take a little bit of a look at David's story today and one particular interaction, one particular person that God brought into David's path to teach him something. And I was thinking about this idea that God is so gracious and kind to us that he will also often bring people into our path at just the right time to show us just the right things that we need to learn. He's brought people into my life when I needed them the most. And sometimes they're only there for a season. Sometimes they're only there to teach us one thing or to walk with us through one season of our life. But God is gracious enough to bring those people along to help form the things in us that he's trying to do. And we get the opportunity once in a while to step into someone else's life and to be an answer to their prayers and to share our story and what God has done in our life so that we can encourage and inspire them to keep going, that God isn't finished with them yet. He didn't leave me there and he's not gonna leave you there either. We have the opportunity to step into other people's stories to bring a little bit of wisdom or a little bit of discernment that we've learned in our own journey and maybe that person isn't there yet and we need to be the kind of people who will surround ourselves with those people who will give us advice and walk with us on those hard days and surround ourselves with the kind of people who can speak into our lives. And then when they speak into our lives, we also have to be the kind of people who can receive that and accept it and believe that God has actually sent people to speak to us. Not think that we've got it all under control and, you know, thank you very much. That was for you, not for me, you know. God can send people into your life to say just the right thing at just the right time. And it might be just one sentence, but it could mean everything to you. On the day when I was 19 and I came to give my life back to the Lord and just dedicate it fully to him, there was a woman who climbed up on the chair in front of me and looked me in the eye and she said, you are valuable to God. That was it. That's all she said. But she had no idea what those words meant to me at that time of my life. It was everything and it changed everything for me because of her obedience And because that she was able to step out and and get past her own fear and have the courage to walk over to me that day and say something. Maybe God prompts your heart sometimes. I should call that person. I should text so-and-so and just encourage them today. Can I just say, just do it? There's nothing that could ever go wrong with giving someone an encouraging word. Just lending a little bit of yourself to someone else can be so great. And so we're gonna talk today about this story. And it's from 1 Samuel 25. So you can turn there if you want to. We're gonna read a good chunk of this story together, but I just wanna set it up for you and set up the background of this story and how we arrived at this moment of time when David 
has this encounter with a woman named Abigail. Now, David had been called and anointed. He had had the David and Goliath moment. He had worked under Saul and been a mighty man of war, but something had gone wrong in his relationship with Saul. And now Saul was seeking David's life to kill him. Saul was jealous of David. Saul knew that David was going to take his throne one day. And there was this rift between them. And so David had taken some of his own men. There was about 600 of them, this story tells us. And they're sort of living out in the wilderness, hiding from Saul. And at this point of the story, they've had a couple of encounters with Saul. We had the whole cave story where David cut off a piece of Saul's robe, but he didn't, he didn't harm him any further than that. Even though he had the opportunity to kill him and take his life, he didn't do it. He didn't take it into his own hands. He left it with God. It says in that story, he even regretted cutting the piece off his robe. He even regretted that he touched him at all. David's trying to do everything right, but everything seems to be going wrong. At the beginning of this chapter, it tells us that Samuel, the prophet, has died. Things are shifting. David and his men have been out in a field area taking sort of care of some shepherds who had been out taking care of their sheep. And they had protected them. They were men of war. They had protected this man's property. His name was Nabal. And so David sends word to Nabal. He was a rich man. He had a lot of um, assets. He had a lot of land. He had a lot of money. And it was sheep shearing time, which meant there was a party going on. And so David sends word with a few of his men into Nabal's home. And they come before him and they say, hey, we're the guys who have been out protecting your shepherds and, and your sheep and your flocks. You know, we didn't ask for anything, but we've been out there a long time and we're hungry and we need some food and supplies. We know you're partying and that you've got it all going on up here. Could you just spare some food for us? We've been good to you. Would you be good to us? Sounds fair, right? But Nabal was known as a wicked man. And so instead, he scoffs at these men. He says, who is David? He knows who David is. Everyone knows who David is. But he kind of dishonors this request and sends the men away, and he doesn't give them any food. Now, in that day, in that time, it was an okay response to take vengeance. It was an eye for an eye kind of society. You wrong me, I'm going to wrong you. And that's kind of still how some of us think today, isn't it? I'm not necessarily going to do something bad to you if you're good to me, but if you're mean to me, I'm going to be mean right back, right? That's kind of the society we live in. And so David says to his men, I'm going to take some of you and we're going to go and we're going to kill Nabal and we're going to kill his men because we're angry about what he has done to us. And that's where we're going to pick up the story, reading in 1 Samuel 25. News has come to Abigail, Nabal's wife, that her husband has been really mean and rude to David and his men. And that David 
and his army are about to storm her house. And so Abigail immediately goes into motion and she puts together, the Bible says, a lot of supplies. She takes loaves for them and food and she takes wine and she packs it all up and she sends it ahead with her maidservants and she gets on her donkey and she goes to intercept David and his men while they're on the way to literally kill her husband and her household. Probably a lot of bloodshed that day. And we're going to pick up reading in verse 23 and this is what it says. When Abigail saw David... She quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord, the wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men that you sent, and now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as surely as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal, and let this gift with which your servant has brought to the Lord, you, my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Now, I'm just going to break there. We're going to read some more, but I want to break this down into kind of three parts because I think there's three important lessons we can learn from Abigail today. The first one is this. Humility is an act of spiritual warfare. We've heard Andrew say this before. We've talked about it before. But she goes into this situation. David is having a moment. He is filled with rage and he wants revenge. And he's leading his men with his sword drawn into battle. He's having this moment. And she comes up and she bows down at his feet and begins to call him her Lord. She didn't need to do that. But she was honoring him and who he was called to be. And over the, this, this couple of uh, verses that we just read, she says, my Lord, my Lord, several times. She's just honoring him. And she's using humility to break things down. In Proverbs 15:1, it says, a gentle answer, answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Abigail is using her wisdom to diffuse David's wrath. She's using humility to just calm him down. She walks into this situation and she becomes a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. This girl is way ahead of her time. Like I said, in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, was, was, that was just normal. That was the root of the day. But she's walking into this situation with humility and grace and love. And this, this position of humility is not a weak position. This is a powerful position because this day she wins the victory for her entire family, for herself and for David. She completely diffuses the situation. Because she used humility and gentleness to diffuse his anger. When we walk 
in the characteristics of the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit. When we walk into a situation with humility and with gentleness and with love and with kindness, we diffuse everything around us and we have the opportunity to give no stronghold to the enemy. The enemy loves it when we respond in anger and vengeance and want to take matters into our own hands because it gives him the opportunity to use that against us. But when we respond in gentleness and humility and grace, the enemy has no ground. There's no place for him to come in. We don't give him any foothold in our life. And so we need to be, learn to be people like Abigail who can walk into the situations in our life and not react out of fear and anger, but to be able to be the ones who respond with peace and grace. To be able the ones, to be the ones who don't live by our emotions, but actually live by self-discipline and self-control and are able to walk into a situation and be able to see, wait, this is just a moment of time. There's something bigger here. Let's just bring it down a notch. I actually want to learn to be a woman like Abigail who can do this in any situation that I walk into. A humble position is a powerful position. Let's continue reading a second here. In verses 28 and 29, it says this. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord, because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you, now she's referencing Saul because everyone knows Saul is after David. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. I'm going to unpack that in just a sec. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away from the pocket of a sling. Second lesson we can learn from Abigail is that we always need to look at the bigger picture. David's stuck in a moment. His focus is on taking revenge at Nabal because he was hurt. His pride was wounded. But he's stuck in that moment and he has forgotten the bigger picture of his life. And Abigail comes in and with her words, they're so crafty, these words, if you stop and think about it. Because in these two verses, she has reminded David of his past victory. Notice how she said, um, the lives of your enemies will hurl away like from the pocket of a sling. She was reminding him of the day he took out a slingshot and he shot one stone and he took down Goliath. She was reminding him of the day when he fought the Lord's battles and he didn't fight his own battles. When he went out against Goliath, he wasn't taking matters into his own hands. He went out there because he said, who dare defy the Lord of heaven's armies? He was fighting the Lord's battles and he was known as a man who fought the Lord's battles, not a man who took matters into his own hands. We need to be the kind of people who will only fight the Lord's battles and not feel like we need to take matters in our own hands and to know the difference when the Lord is asking us to step into something or when he's asking us to step away. And in that moment, David didn't have clear sight. In that moment, David didn't have the right perspective. So she reminds him of his past. She reminds him of his present. She says, you know, Saul, 
He's after you. Everybody knows he's after you and he wants to kill you. But the Lord has kept you safe. She's reminding him that the Lord is fighting for him. This wording that she uses here, she says, you're safe, like bound securely. I'm just looking for it here a sec. She said, you're bound securely in a bundle of the living by the Lord your God. That reference there would be like if you had something that was very valuable, like your wallet, and you actually wrapped it up and tied it around your waist under your clothes because you wanted to keep it real secure. It was the ancient equivalent of the modern day fanny pack. It was like, I'm going to bundle that up and I'm going to keep it so safe and secure next to me. Abigail was reminding David that his life was valuable to God. That he had, that God himself had bound up David and was securely holding on to his life. Even though Saul was looking to, to kill him. Even though someone was after him. The Lord was keeping him safe because he had somewhere he was taking him. So she reminds him of his past. She reminds him of the present. But she also references his future. And Abigail speaks into his potential. And she speaks into the man he's called to be. Not the way he's acting in the moment. She says, you'll never do anything wrong. You'll never have bloodshed on your hands. Well, he is about to, girl. But she's speaking to his potential. She's speaking to the man he should be, not the way he's acting in the moment. I've had people come into my life and begin to speak to me about my potential and begin to speak to me about the person I'm called to be when I was far from that and begin to speak to me about the things they saw in my life and begin to speak to me about, about, about the potential that they saw in me long before I could see it in myself. We need people around us who would be willing to do that for us and we need to listen to what they have to say. God places people in our life to remind us of our past victories, to remind us of how much God has already done, what he's currently doing, and what he is going to do. That's the big picture. We can't get caught in a moment. Today is a day, but it's not the end of the story. You may be hurt and disappointed and bitter, but that's not the end of the story. That's just your situation today. If you can step back and see the bigger picture, of how good God has been and all the things that he's won for you in the past. If you can see the bigger picture of how he's working to keep you safe and protected in this present moment. If you can see the bigger picture of how he's working in your life, developing his character in you, making you into the person he longs for you to be, even though it might not be comfortable right now, he's doing something in you. He's working something in you that's gonna be great and it's gonna be for his glory glory and for his kingdom and for your good but it might not look like that right now we need people who can help us see the bigger picture we need people who can speak to our potential like Abigail spoke to David's potential let's finish reading in verses 30 and 31 it says when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having 
avenged himself. This is how Abigail sort of ends her speech to David. And she reminds him, this is lesson number three we can learn from Abigail. Remember who you're called to be. You are called to be a king. And when God has fulfilled his promise, when you're finally at that place, David, where you sit on that throne and you reign over Israel, are you gonna look back and regret today? Are you gonna look back and regret that there's needless bloodshed on your hands because you couldn't control yourself in a moment? Are you gonna look back and see a path of destruction behind you? Or are you gonna sit on that throne and say, when God has been faithful to me, I can honestly say I've been faithful to him. What's your story gonna be? That's what I feel Abigail is really asking in this moment. And this is the question I want us to think about today, is what story are you gonna tell? What story are you gonna tell about this season of your life? What story are you gonna tell about this current struggle that you're facing? What story are you gonna tell about the year 2020? Is it gonna be the year that nothing happened and you look back and go, I don't even remember it? Or is this gonna be the year that God forms a piece of his character in you? And you can look back at this year and go, it wasn't easy. It wasn't always an easy road, but I see that God had done something great in my life because I surrendered to that and I allowed him to. Is this gonna be the moment that you're able to say, I did everything I knew how to do in grace and love. I kept the peace. I made peace. I walked in humility and grace. Or are you gonna look back on this season and say, I took matters into my own hands and I caused needless hurt and disappointments and I never should have. Is this gonna be a season of your life that you regret or a season where you love to tell the story because of what God gets to do in this season in your life if you surrender it to him? We have to remember who we're called to be. David was called to be king, king of Israel. And you're not called to be king of Israel, but you do have a calling on your life. All throughout scripture, it talks about the calling for Christian people, for the church of God. We are called to stand out and be light in a dark world. We are called to stand out and be a voice in our generation for the kingdom of God. We are called to be ambassadors of the Lord, to carry his kingdom with us everywhere we go. We are called out to be a peculiar people, the Bible says. People that don't look like everybody else, that don't talk like everybody else, that don't act like everybody else. We're called out to be different. We are set apart, a holy nation. The Bible calls us all of these things, speaking to our potential because that's not really who we are yet. At least I don't see myself that way all of the time. But it's speaking to our potential and who God has called us to be. And we need to keep this in our frame of mind every day. When people attack us, when things happen that aren't fair in life, we need to keep this bigger perspective of who God is and who he's called us to be. That he's called us to be different, to respond differently and not react out of emotions or fear, 
or anger or pride, but to actually be able to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and to carry ourselves like Jesus did. We're not always going to get it right, but every day we have the opportunity to make the choice to walk this way. It's not always in the big crossroad kind of moments of life that this character stuff is formed in us. It's more about the little choices and intentional decisions we make every single day that make us into the people who God has called us to be. It's often the little things, the little decisions. How we treat our wife, how we treat our kids, how we talk about our boss. It's the little things every day that are forming good character and a good reputation in your life. God is doing an amazing work in you. And you can't allow what someone else has done to you to be bigger than what God has done for you. You can't allow how someone else hurts you or what someone else does that affects your life to be bigger than what Jesus has done for you on the cross. We can't allow the sin of other people against us to produce sin in us. We can't allow this. We can't let it happen in our lives. We're called to be different. We're called to be the kind of people People who will return good for evil, not evil for evil. We are called to be the kind of people who would stand out in our organizations and in our communities and in our families because we're the kind of people who carry the character and nature of God in our lives. We respond out of that character formed deep within us, not because of how we feel in the moment. Do you have a right to feel wounded? Sure. You can feel it, but you don't have a right to act on it. You can feel like you've been hurt. You can feel like it's not fair because you know what? Likely, it's not fair. Likely, you have been deeply wounded by people. That's called life. It happens. But what matters is how we respond. What matters is how we act under pressure. What matters is what God is doing in us in this moment that's gonna produce something good, something better for his glory. Are you still with me? Sometimes we need to be reminded of these three things that we learned from Abigail. We need to be reminded that humility and gentleness is an act of spiritual warfare. We need to be reminded to think about the bigger picture in life, how God has been there in the past, how he's here with you in the present moment, and how he's actively working on your future. And just like she was saying to David that David was valuable to God. And just like a woman came to me and told me that I was valuable to God, you're valuable to God too, because he can use you and he can use your story, no matter what your story is. The amazing thing about your story is that it's unique. It actually carries something that someone else needs because they can relate to you, but your story is unique. You'll be able to relate to people in ways that I won't be able to relate to people because of what God has done in you. And when we focus on that, when we focus on what God is doing and the story he's creating and telling with our lives, when we keep the bigger picture in focus, when we remember where we have been, where we are, that we're being held securely in his hand and that he has promise and potential for our future. It keeps us in the right perspective. It keeps us looking at things through the right lens, the proper lens of life. We need to be able to stay in this place and remember who we are called to be. 
I want to take a moment. Maybe I can call Ben back to the keys just for a moment at the end here. Because I just want to pray over you at the end. And, and what I really wanted to do just for a moment here is to ask you to think about that word that God gave you for your life for 2020. So if you were here in December when we were going through our Be Strong series, we asked you to kind of get alone with God and talk to him and pray and listen for a word for your life for 2020. Now, if you don't go to church here, if that's not, if you didn't hear about that, you can ask him for a word right now. You can ask him for a word right now to speak over you. And I believe as you begin to think about that word, you would likely agree with me that that word isn't so much about accomplishments or getting things done, but that word is likely much more about the character of God in your life. And I want you to close your eyes for a moment and imagine your life if you were actually fully living that word. Imagine your life if you were a faithful person a courageous person, a generous person, a free person, a healed person, a restored person. Whatever your word is, I need you to get a picture in your mind of what your life would look like if you fully embodied that word that the Lord spoke over you and gave to you. And what's the story you're gonna tell? When you're walking that out, when you're living that life that God has called you to, what's the story you're gonna tell about today? I bet a lot of the things that you've been wrestling with and have been keeping you up at night sort of start to fade away in the light of what God is doing in your life. As you think about what it means to be that person that God has called you to be. That word will begin to become a reality. And it's not so much about the big things. We're not waiting for one big thing to happen this year, but that this year would be marked by small daily decisions to be that person that you have envisioned in your mind right now small daily intentional choices to become the person that God has called you to be. So what's the story you're gonna tell about this moment, about this person, about this year? We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.